This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Here we are. It's another preview episode. But this one has a twist. We'll be previewing two games that we can actually attend. Finally! Hurrah! This is an episode that you can listen to on the way to the game. However you're travelling. By foot train, car or coach, should you be fortunate enough to have gotten a ticket. But even if you're watching at home, we haven't forgotten you from the comfort of your own sofa. Thank you for tuning in. Montenegro at Wembley back on the 14th of November 2019. What's the last time we saw the team in the flesh on home soil? 19 months ago. A long time. In that time, The Three Lions have played seven times behind closed doors at Wembley. And as we've seen with various games recently, the admission of fans to stadiums has been so appreciated by players, fans, commentators, volunteers, whoever has been inside a stadium. And I fully expect these next two games to be no different. I'm very much looking forward to it. Coming up, we'll be speaking with correspondents from both Austria and Romania. We'll get a guide to Middlesbrough from a true Borough and England fan. But first, Gareth Southgate announced his squad for the tournament on Tuesday the 25th of May. You may remember I tried to second-guess him on a recent episode. How close did I get? Let's find out. So, a squad was announced, but he's teased us with a provisional squad of 33 players, which won't be trimmed down until the 1st of June. Now, in his press conference, Gareth Southgate explained the reasons behind such a large number. I think our situation is more complicated than any other country at the moment, so we were always going to need some additional players for the first part of our camp. Of course, he is referring to the amount of players being involved in the European finals that are still to come. Players from Manchester City, Manchester United and Chelsea. And he also said, We felt that more time would allow us to make better decisions. There are a lot of unknowns and information and evidence is really important when you're making decisions. We'll have a lot more in the next seven days. And with this squad, you've got a nice balance with some young players who... Whether they're with us for one week or five weeks, it's going to be a brilliant experience for them. So who are those 33 names then? Let's run through them. So goalkeepers, we've got four. Dean Henderson of Manchester United, Jordan Pickford of Everton, and Sam Johnston of West Bromwich Albion, and Aaron Ramsdale of Sheffield United. And those last two, actually two relegated keepers from the Premier League this year. 12 defenders. Top of the list, Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's made it into the 33. Ben Chilwell of Chelsea. Connor Cody, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ben Godfrey of Everton. 
and we'll get to him soon. Rhys James, Chelsea. Harry Maguire of Manchester United. Tyrone Mings of Aston Villa. Luke Shaw, Manchester United. John Stones, Manchester City. Kieran Trippier, La Liga winner with Atletico Madrid. Carl Walker, of course, Premier League winner with Manchester City. And Ben White of Brighton and Hove Albion. I say we'll touch on Ben White and Ben Godfrey very soon. Midfielders, seven of them. Jude Bellingham, Borussia Dortmund. Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. Jesse Lingard, of course, he's at West Ham United at the moment, but on loan from Manchester United. Mason Mount, Chelsea. Calvin Phillips, Leeds United. Declan Rice, West Ham United. And James Ward-Prowse of Southampton. Ten forwards. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Everton. Phil Foden of Manchester City. Jack Grealish, Aston Villa. Mason Greenwood of Manchester United. Captain Harry Kane, Tottenham Hotspur. Don't know how many more times we'll say that. Harry Kane of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Marcus Rashford, Manchester United. Bukayo Saka of Arsenal. Jane Sancho of Borussia Dortmund. Raheem Sterling, Manchester City. And Ollie Watkins of Aston Villa. 33 players, a total of 566 caps. And there are 87 goals within that team. And team-wise, I know we always like to run through them. Manchester United have got five. Manchester City have got four. Everton, Chelsea and Villa have got three each. Dortmund, West Ham and Liverpool have got two. West Brom, Sheffield United, Wolves, Brighton, Atletico Madrid, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal and Tottenham have all got one. As I say, I mentioned the goalkeepers. We've got two relegated goalkeepers there in Sam Johnston and Aaron Ramsdale. And that's because Nick Pope, so unfortunate as he's undergone minor knee surgery. And with just three weeks until the tournament begins, it's going to be a big ask and a big risk to select him. It's such a shame because obviously he played those three World Cup qualifying games in the absence of Jordan Pickford back in March. As I mentioned, there were a couple of standout names there. Notably, Ben Godfrey of Everton and Ben White of Brighton, who both have had standout seasons for their respective clubs, but neither of them have been selected by Gareth in any squads. Full stop. Godfrey has played under 20 and under 21 level, whilst White has never experienced an England environment. So perhaps a little surprising. So who did I predict that didn't come through, or vice versa? Uh, there was no Eric Dyer, no Michael Keane. I guess Godfrey and White took their places. Trent Alexander-Arnold, well, he's in. I mentioned that, didn't I? Well, for now. Uh, as are Connor Cody, Tyrone Mings, Bukayo Saka and Ollie Watkins, who I uh, who I'd perhaps done them a disservice and said that perhaps they wouldn't be making the, uh, making the squad, but I wasn't to know that there was going to be 33 players selected. Uh, but the real test is going to come when Gareth has to reduce this list to 23 or, or 26, however you want to look at it. The uncapped players, do they stand a chance of making the final cut? would be incredibly cruel to call them up, then release them. Uh, however, Gareth did say in his press conference they are both exciting young defenders. They're very flexible and can play different roles. And this is a great opportunity for us to get to know them a little better. So perhaps reading between the lines, this may just be an introduction for them both. 
and I guess Aaron Ramsdale too. And to take the 33 down to 26, I'm going to make a call. I don't think Aaron Ramsdale, Ben Godfrey, Tyrone Mings, Ben White, Mason Greenwood, Bukayo Saka and Ollie Watkins are going to make the cut. That must be one of the worst parts of being an England manager is telling particular players that they are not part of a tournament team. I don't envy that on anyone. But we'll find out Gareth's final selection on the 1st of June. Okay, Austria and Romania coming up. Let's find out a little bit more about them. Okay, Austria are up first when we face them Wednesday, the 2nd of June. Kickoff up at the Riverside is 8 o'clock. And here to join us and tell us a little bit more about Austria is Lee Wingate from the Other Bundesliga podcast. Lee, hello there. Hi, Russell. Thanks for the uh, invitation. You're more than welcome. The Other Bundesliga, go on quickly, just tell us about that. Three Brits based in Vienna. A few years ago, we decided that we'd all try and fall in love a little bit with our local league, not really knowing much about it. Started really as a hobby, going to to games as, as fans and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's transformed quite quickly. Um, we uh, we're now accredited journalists here. We've done some some cool interviews with the likes of Salzburg coach Jesse Marsh, and yeah, now we're gearing up for the Euros. So it's uh, it's going well. Exciting times, cool. Well, we'll we'll touch on where you can uh, find that and and just a little bit more about that um, towards the end of the chat. But as I say, England Austria coming up at the Riverside. The Austrian squad has been announced, and I always like to just go through a squad and and sort of pick out names that I recognise. And there's there's only the one. This is the initial twenty two, I think. Uh, there's only one that plays over here in the Premier League, and and that's Daniel Backman, the the Watford goalie. And and to be fair, he's, he plays second fiddle to Ben Foster anyway. So there's not really many names that that England supporters may recognise from these shores. But there's David Alaba. Um, of Bayern Munich um, and and one or two other names, but go on, just just sprinkle a bit of stardust on some of these players from Austria. Sure. Well, David Alaba would of course be the the best known one. He's uh, he's obviously a Champions League winner with Bayern Munich, a serial winner, moving to Real Madrid this summer as well. His situation is kind of strange with Austria because he usually features in defence for his club, but then as the kind of star player in the team, he's he's put a bit further forward for the Austrian national team. For good or for bad, I think probably they could do with him in defence, to be honest. There are plenty of other good players, though. A lot of young players coming through, um, particularly at the Red Bull clubs, uh, Salzburg and Leipzig. You've got the likes of Andreas Ulmer, a veteran left back. He's he's a good player. Then, um, you know, Marcel Sabitzer of Leipzig. He scored a couple of stunning goals in the Champions League as well. And yeah, most of the players are based in Germany, really. The vast, vast majority of those called up by by the coach, Franco Foda, are based in the German Bundesliga. Other ones that really stand out to me as, a, as someone who watches Hoffenheim a lot is Christoph Baumgartner. He usually plays on the right of the, the attacking front three. And then uh, on the other side, well, you'd either have Alaba or, or yeah, Sabitzer in the middle and, and Sasha Kaladzic up front, the Stuttgart striker. So there's there's plenty of young talent there. Okay, and and you mentioned obviously there a lot of them are based in Germany, which is I guess it's unsurprising considering you are neighbours. But what what do the Austrian people think about this as as a squad being predominantly based or come from Germany? 
I can tell you what we think about it from our from our podcast point of view, and that's it's a bit of a sore point because he only seems to trust players that play in the German Bundesliga. Obviously, the level's higher, but there are plenty of talented players who are really coming through in Austria at the moment, and it's a shame that they seem to get consistently overlooked. He clearly wants players that he he can trust as you know proven at a higher level. In terms of what most people think about it, I think. The general consensus here in Austria is that it's a talented squad with a lot of ability, but they're kind of being held back by the coach. These are players that that play some really attacking, high-pressing, entertaining football for their clubs. And with Austria in the national team set up, it's for a conservative, reactive. I don't know what I'd compare him to as a manager, but I suppose Mourinho without the silverware, it's just it's very, very, yeah, reactive. And I think it's a shame because this is is in a way a kind of golden generation for Austria and it feels like because of him they're not living up to their potential. Okay, that's interesting. And and the manager is he he's Austrian, is he? He's German actually, which might might go some way to explaining why he only includes German players. But he was the Sturm Graz manager in Austria for a few years and then he became the the Austrian national team manager a few years ago replacing Marcel Koller. And actually, he has the best win percentage of any Austrian national team coach ever. So you may look at that and think, well, well, surely that's a good thing. But I suppose it depends what you want out of a manager. Um, If results are going your way, then perhaps some people are prepared to stomach that a bit more. But recently, there have been a few uh, wobbly performances. Notably, they did beat the Faroe Islands, but they were a goal down for a while. And then they got absolutely trounced 4-0 at home by Denmark, which is their biggest ever home qualification defeat a few weeks ago just in the in the March international break so I think there is a little bit of trepidation because you know you can kind of put up with it if he's getting the results but if the football's dour to watch and the results aren't there then you know there's a bit of skepticism creeping in yeah there is so this first friendly for both sides I believe isn't it England and Austria ahead of the the Euros how do you think he's gonna play this is he gonna go full strength in is he or is he gonna play it conservative play a few fringe players just to uh ease them ease the players in before the tournament gets underway my guess would be that he'll want to to get the team closest to what he will play in the tournament out there on the pitch I would expect them to line up in their usual 4-2-3-1 there are a couple of players who are in a real race against time uh, for fitness Julian Baumgartlinger of Bayer Leverkusen is a really key player in central midfield he definitely won't play against England um, and as well, Conrad Leimer of, of RB Leipzig as well is, is in a bit of a fitness battle. So there may be, you know, a couple of changes, but I'd expect him largely to go for his his tried and tested formation and, and players as well. OK, going on to the, the Euros, Austria finished second in the qualifying behind Poland and, and they've been drawn in Group C alongside North Macedonia, the Netherlands and Ukraine. It's going to be tough, really, to progress, won't it? I think so. I think the initial reaction of, of of many people is to see names like North Macedonia and think, well, well, we can win that game. But then you look at North Macedonia beating Germany recently and, Absolutely. you know, they are a very, very good team. So there's North Macedonia and then Ukraine obviously haven't won too many games recently, but they did beat Spain last year. And we all know about the the quality of the Netherlands team. They might not be reaching the heights that they they did 10 or 15 years ago, but still very, very dangerous. 
And I think Austria are, are very wary of, of group stages as well, because four years ago, they went into Euro 2016 on the back of an, an incredible, almost flawless qualification campaign yeah. where they won nine games and drew one, 28 points out of 30. And then they got into the group stages with, with Portugal, Iceland and Hungary and finished bottom of the group in a group where you only really needed to finish in the top three to go through. So they're going to be really up against it this time. And they will need to do a lot, lot better than their last Euros if they're to have any chance whatsoever of, of going through and making a mark as well. Well, yeah. And I mean, you go back to, to 2008 when the only other time I believe Austria were in it and they hosted it as well, didn't they? And they kind of fell flat. And so they, they really do need to to put a marker down in this tournament, really, don't they? To be taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, I would say that this team is a lot better than the one that was that was around in 2008, where, you know, they were there by virtue of the fact they're a host nation. Yeah, this time around, they've got the players. The question is whether they can deliver the performances. And that's where I'm, I'm really doubtful. And I think that they will be looked at as a, as a failure if they don't get out of the group, given the players they have. And I, I think it would be highly likely as well that Franco Foda would be sacked if they don't get through the group. Going back to... England against Austria, the history, just looking back, the I believe the most recent meeting was back in 2007, November time, which I've, I've read a lot. I think it was very cold that evening when England played over there. If I'm right in saying, I think there was a lot of snowball fights uh, for what I've read. Uh, Peter Crouch scored just before half time there. 18 times the two teams have met. Uh, England have won 10, drawn four and lost four. Uh, there's only been three competitive games. There was the World Cup qualifiers 2004, 2005, and you have to go back to 1958 for the World Cup finals. I'm kind of thinking, other than home nations, I, I wonder if Austria are probably one of the sides England have played most as, as friendly opponents. But looking through this, how the tournament could pan out, we could, could meet during the tournament if if it pans out that England finished third which I've said before would be a total disaster but still progress and an Austria win Group C apparently we could meet that way I have to say I think that's quite an unlikely scenario uh, being an England fan and knowing the quality that, that England have and, and knowing where Austria are at right now I do think that that's quite an unlikely scenario just to touch back on the, the history you mentioned there, actually, Austria's biggest ever defeat in any match ever was an 11-1 home loss to England in 1908. So a very, very long time ago, well over a century ago. But yeah, that's still in the record books uh, as well. And I think that that's probably unlikely to be uh, to be matched or beaten this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, you would expect both teams to go through. But in, in that particular scenario, I think it's it's difficult for us to to foresee at the moment, especially because I expect England to win their group. Yeah, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Um, so go, let's go back to to the podcast, the other Bundesliga podcast. Who who else is on the the pod with you? Uh, my two colleagues, Tom Midler and Simon Clark. As I say, we're all, all Brits based here, working in sports in various roles. My background is mostly in in translation. Um, Tom's a, a commentator and, and Simon's a writer. So we kind of, yeah, complement our, our skills quite well together. And yeah, we started doing the other Bundesliga a few years ago. And you can, you can find that now on Spotify, iTunes, all the usual places. We cover the, the domestic game and we'll be doing a few, a few pods during the Euros as well for anyone that's, that's interested in hearing. Excellent. And, and are you on Twitter as well? Or the yep, socials? Other Bundesliga. Yep. And. Okay. 
there's also a, another little side project you've got on the go as well, isn't there? Yes, it's called The Sweeper. This is more for your hipster football fans out there. But for anyone that wants to hear a little bit more about outside Europe's top five leagues, whether that's, you know, Portugal, Poland, or or even really small countries, the micro states like Liechtenstein or San Marino, we're doing a podcast called The Sweeper, which basically rounds up all the stories you wouldn't hear elsewhere. That's kind of the, the niche that we've set ourselves. First episode came out about a month ago. Um, we we had quite a lot of fun. We talked about football in Ukraine since the conflict with Russia and how teams like Shakhtar Donetsk don't play at home anymore, all that kind of thing. And about the the world's smallest football league as well in the Silly Isles, which has only two teams. So it's uh, it's very diverse content. Love it. And where where can you find that once again? That's at SweeperPod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and as well on, on all the usual pod platforms like Spotify and iTunes. Love it, love it. Uh, wish you all the best with that uh, and indeed the other Bundesliga podcast. And, and Lee, thank you very much for your time and just giving us a little insight into the Austrian team. Thanks for the invitation. And just to put any doubts aside, uh, my loyalties firmly lie with England. So if England do meet Austria, I will be uh, having my fingers firmly crossed for England. <laughs> Great stuff. Cheers, Lee. Cheers. Following Austria, we face Romania again at the Riverside, and this is on Sunday, the 10th of June. It's a five o'clock kickoff. Now, Romania, you have to go back to 1970 for the last of our two victories over them. And as always, it's good to speak with someone who knows a little more than I do. So please welcome Philippe Buduru from the Romanian Football Twitter account. Philippe, hello there, you're right. Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. How about you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, now, I might add that you're not actually in Romania. Um, you're in Canada, aren't you? Yeah, I'm based in Toronto. But you've got Romanian roots, haven't you? Yes, uh, my father's side is uh, completely Romanian. So uh, so you've taken on on his side. You, you, your colours are firmly nailed to his side of the uh, the post. Yeah, I, I, I identify strongly with uh, with that side of the family. So. Great stuff. So yeah. what's your uh, what's your Romanian side? Uh, well, my dad's from Craiova, so southwest of Romania. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I've got really to say about <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, you we were just speaking a moment ago. You're, uh, you're cup final winners over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad's club, uh, Universitata Craiova, they beat uh, Astra Giorgio 3-2 after extra time to win the cup uh, for the second time in three years. Okay. So celebrating in the uh, in the Paduru house yesterday. Yeah, and uh, doubly so as a West Ham fan as well, uh, since Astra have knocked out West Ham twice. <laughs> so it was nice to beat them. And yeah, I mean, Astra, you said, have got relegated this season? Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, well, their owner is a bit of a nutter. He's got money, <laughs> but he doesn't want to invest it, and he's just not paying players on time. So uh, yeah, they finally uh, got relegated. Owners who don't want to pay the money. That's a familiar uh, a familiar story to some. Yeah. <laughs> so Romania are coming to to England um, in these pre-European uh, Championships warm-ups. Romania, actually, though, they're not in the, in the Euros this time around, are they? No, they just missed out uh, by losing to Iceland uh, last year in the uh, playoffs. So uh, that was a, that was a really bad game. I mean, we had a lot of absences, but we didn't. We just didn't play well at all. You, very disappointing. Uh, it was also the first match for our new coach, uh, 
Mira Radoy, uh, he's only about, uh, well, he's in his 30s, I think. So, uh, I mean, how is sort of the, the national game, the national team seen at the moment over there? Well, a lot of people still have a lot of pessimism because of the last 10, 15 years being so bad. Um, well, you could even say 20, considering that Euro 2008 was the only decent one since in the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pessimism. But um, at the same time, there's a lot of hope because uh, Haji's academy, Vitorul, uh, has been producing some good players in the last few years that have gone abroad, uh, mainly Rezvan Marin. And he plays for Cagliari right now after leaving Ajax. And he's been one of the best key passers in Europe uh, from what I've seen. Uh, he was in the top 10 a few months ago. Really? Um, I think he finished the season with 70 key passes and uh, six assists. So... He's done quite well there. Um, he saved them from relegation. Yeah. Looking through the squad, the, the only one that stands out to me is, and you've mentioned um, the name Hadji, is his son, Yanis Hadji, who, who plays for Rangers. Over here, we, we recognise him. He's, a, uh, he's just won the Scottish Premiership title, hasn't he, with, with Rangers. But there's no one else that, that really stands out to me. I mean, I think we have some technical players, but in terms of uh, popul- popularity and consistency at the top level, we don't have uh, too many like that. <laughs> players to look out for would be uh, Denis Alibek. He's a very skillful striker, but also I would say uh, Budescu and uh, Chicaldo, who plays for Craiova, but he's wanted by uh, several Serie A teams, and I think even Everton was linked to him Okay, last year. I mean, I'm looking as well. There's, it's quite a home, well, I say homegrown, but there's a lot of players that that are still playing their trade over in Romania, aren't there? Which is which is good, yeah. especially when you yeah. consider after I've just spoken to to our Austrian correspondent, and very few players from the uh, the Austrian team are playing in the Austrian Bundesliga. So it's, it's good to see that there's been there's players picked from the the Romanian top league. Yeah, I think. Um... Well, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, this is a friendly, so we've kind of promoted some some players from the league and, and from the under-21 generation. Right. But um, even in general, you're right. It's just uh, we do kind of need to get some more players abroad uh, at a good level. But at the same time, it's good for the league, right? You don't want to uh, sell off too many of the talents. So it's kind of a balancing act, I think. Uh, yeah. Big absences here for me are um, Yonut Radu from Inter, who's the backup keeper there for now. Mikhaila and Man at Parma. Uh, they were very good at the last uh, international break. Well, Mikhaila mostly. And Pushkash and Andone from Brighton. Uh, so okay. all these players are missing for this uh, for this break, unfortunately. Yeah, so whilst um, you're not at the Euros, there's actually another priority, I think, that you're looking forward to, is that Romania have actually qualified for the for the Olympics, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, that we're very excited about because that's once in a blue moon, right? And yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously hoping that the Olympics go ahead as well. There's, there's oh, if they cancelled ho- it now, I'd be very angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'd be alone. But So are there players in this squad that are likely to to be participating in that? Yeah. So, well, the thing is, there's also some under 23 friendlies, uh, which is sort of uh, meant to be as like a preparation for those games. Um, But yeah, even from this squad, there would definitely be, I think, a few players. So Marin uh, should be there if if Cagliari let him go. Um, Haji is the one we're not sure about because uh, Rangers have said they don't want him to go. 
because it clashes with their Champions League qualification games or something like that. I did read that the other day, yeah. Yeah, so um, a few players from uh, Fecha Sebe also, which is um, formerly Stawa, although uh, there's a bit of an identity crisis there. (laughs) But um, yeah, a few of those players won't be there. Yeah, I think there's a few players we could see there for sure, though. Um, Have they made the Olympic draw yet? Oh, yes, they have. We have one of the easiest groups. We have Honduras, uh, New Zealand, and I think South Korea. Okay, so it should be a uh, an interesting tournament. You'd hope to to qualify out of the group stage then? Yeah, um, just hoping that uh, Son doesn't have to play for uh, Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mentioned him already, Georgi Haji. Well, be safe to say the, the most famous Romanian footballer? Oh, yeah, in terms of, yeah, famous for sure. Even in terms of contribution to our to our football on and off the pitch, I'd say he's number one as well. Yeah. In terms of pure talent, that's another question. He's definitely top three for that. Yeah. But there's a couple others I would mention. We've got to touch on the the history because it's a bit of a strange history if you look at sort of England's record against an opposition. Played eleven, only won two. Uh, it's been six draws, and Romania have won three of those games throughout the years. The last meeting between the two was a uh, was pretty much a disaster from an English point of view, but I imagine it's it's well remembered in Romania. It was, of course, the Euro 2000 game where England, they were 1-0 down, 2-1 up, and they lost 3-2 in the last minute uh, with a penalty that was given away by Phil Neville. It was actually Alan Shearer's last cap as well, which I didn't realise at the time. And we met before that as well in the 1998 World Cup, where Romania won again. Well, so there's there's a bit of history on your side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we very much enjoyed those years, uh, the 90s and early 2000s. We had a very good side. Unfortunately, our luck ran out after 2000. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we just missed out on 2002, and then uh, from there it was just not very good. Although we still had talented players, we sort of failed until 2008. Yeah, that team back then with the likes of, I say, Hadji, as Popescu, Petrescu, um, Mutu as well, Moldovan. Yeah, they must yeah. be heroes back in Romania, aren't they? Yeah, I think Mutu and Kivu were very young then, uh, so they didn't have as much of an impact other than Kivu's lob uh, goal, of course. Mm. But um, yeah, there's, they're very well remembered. Uh, Petrescu is, I, I'd say he's the greatest Romanian right back for sure of all time. Um, I think he's even one of the greatest Premier League uh, fullbacks in those days. So I think um, it was it was Sheffield Wednesday and Chelsea, I believe he played for, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Moldovan was Coventry. Um, we had even Ghana at Wolves. Right. You well, know, Mutu, yeah. Mutu was at Chelsea, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he blew it, of course. Yeah, quite literally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you look at it like that, quite a relationship between the Premier League and Romanian players. So it'd be, uh, yeah, interesting to see maybe in the future whether that as a, a resurgence of, of some of those players. Um, but what do you think the, the Romanian manager will be expecting from this game? I think he's actually intending to attack quite a bit. Like, he's very offensive-minded, very, uh, you know, new era type of coach. I think he'll have us play some combinative football, mm. but at the same time, we might struggle in defence. Right. Very, We'll have to have uh, Burka and Kirikesh have a good day at the back because I think they'll be starters for sure. They're the only players that we have that are like physically capable at, at the top level. 
yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a difficult day at the back. I think. Right. So, I mean, what positives do you think could be taken from it? I think if we see uh, Budescu get some minutes, um, if Haji has a good day, and Marine, of course, maybe we'll see some nice actions from them. Maybe a goal, but yeah. any, anything more than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't be expecting anything. Go on, tell us about the um, the Romanian football Twitter account and and just the, your interest in football as well. How did how long has that been going? And where can we find it? Yeah, so my uh, Twitter handle is uh, R-O-F-T-B-L, so Row Football. Yeah. yeah, I just started it because I felt like people wanted a, a good, reliable source of uh, news for Romanian football in English. I wanted to provide something that wasn't just sensationalist, was just giving you the exact views that you uh, expect, right, from a unbiased uh, reporter. Mm. So that that's kind of what I was I was thinking. And it's, it's gone down well? People are following? Yeah, people are, are enjoying it, I think. Uh, I'm trying to engage more with the uh, the users. Good stuff. Nice. It's good to have found you on there and, and follow you. And we'll, of course, uh, give you a, uh, a mention on the on the Free Lions podcast Twitter account. We'll link to you on there. Appreciate that. <laughs> Philip, thank you very much uh, for your time. Yeah, enjoy the game. Thanks, mate. It's always good to get the lad the land when we go somewhere relatively new. And uh, having not seen England live for some time, I know plenty will want to make the most of going up to Middlesbrough. So I thought we'd get a guide to it. Uh, and who better, Middlesbrough, an England fan? Please welcome Lee Bailey. Lee, hello there. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having us. Um, I enjoy the pod. Thanks for getting me on. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. for uh, Thanks for coming along. How long have you been following England? My first game was... The game at the Riverside, I think it was against Slovakia back in 2004-ish, maybe 2002. But my first away game was Estonia just after the Brazil World Cup, I think. Right. 20, 20, was it 1-0 Wayne Rooney free kick, I think. Um, yeah. And then pretty much I've been pretty much to as much as I can from that day on, really. It got the bug. Yeah, massively. As soon as I've done that Estonia game, like we got back because um, we went over. like We didn't understand the travel club membership and stuff. Um, so we just went without tickets and managed to get them in the home and we got home. We instantly became members and we'd done Scotland away, which was the next one. Oh, you're lucky to yeah. get on board with that one then. Yeah, yeah. So that was our first official one. Oh, but okay. Estonia was our first proper one. Yeah. So you're a, you're a Middlesbrough fan and, and you go to the Riverside often, do you? Yeah, as much as I can. Um, I did have a season ticket for God knows how long, but now I've with my new job, um, like shift work, I can't really commit to it, but I, I do get there now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, I mean, as we know, yeah, England have got the two games, Austria and Romania being played up at Borough. And I thought, yeah, let's, let's speak to someone who knows the town. I've never been to Middlesbrough. So go on. What, as a town, what's, what's Middlesbrough like? Um, it's a bit rough around the edges, but if you, if you dig deep, you'll find some uh, good stuff. I think it's got a bit of an unfair reputation in some of the press, but it's not it's not a bad city, not a bad town, just as uh, just like any other town, really. And, you know, there's good parts, there's bad parts. Yeah. And by all accounts, the Riverside is it's not central, as sort of Ayrson Park used to be. But how far is it away from the um, town? It, it's about, you can get there in about, 15 20 minutes walking at a slow pace and mm. um, there's plenty of taxis which like from the town to the stadium it's only about three four pound 
So oh. it's it, it, it is a bit out there. It's, it's a bit. I hate the location of the stadium to be honest, but about twenty minute walk and you're all right. Okay. So I mean, for people coming up from well, either coming down from from the north above Middlesbrough or coming up from from the south as I'll be doing, what's it like getting into the town? Like driving wise or, or train, what's what's the deal there? The closest big train station is Darlington. So if you're coming from London, you can be on the East Line, Kings Cross to Darlington. That's about two and a half hours, and then from Darlington, it's half an hour. Road wise, it's you'll be on the A1, won't you? You're coming up yeah. on the A1. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a straight line, I think, isn't it? Yeah, line, yeah. But my preferred choice would be the train. Um, train from anywhere down south on the East Line up to Darlington and. Um, across on a local born rattler train. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, take us into the town centre. We all like a beer. We all like a uh, a pub to go and have a pre-match pint in. Take us around the so, town. Where's where's good? There's Southfield Road is is all right. That's got two or three decent um, bars with good atmosphere. That's right beside the university. So if that's your if that's your thing, then I'd head there. Um, Bit further inwards towards the town is Baker Street and Bedford Street. Um, it's full of full of like micro pubs, small like oh, basically old Victorian terrace houses done out in the bars. Um, I've been informed that it's a bit like Shoreditch. Um, okay. So there's plenty of them there. Um, further on in the town, there's quite a few Weatherspoons, which is is cheap really for people coming up from London. <laughs> so they'll be happy with the prices. <laughs> Um, and closer to the stadium, probably the closest one to the stadium is Dr. Brown's or the Six Medals. But I'm not a fan of Six Medals, really. It's um, it's not it's not my cup of tea. But Dr. Brown's is okay. Okay. I personally would stick to Baker Street and Bedford Street um, and Linthorpe Road. So you reckon that's where the majority of England fans are going to sort of congregate? Yeah, I, I would say so. But another good one is um, Lloyd's in the middle of the town. It's Walking distance from the train station, and it's a Weatherspoons. It's it's quite big. I think that that'll be the main one. I think. Okay. Is there a local brew, Middlesbrough? I've I've got this weird thing in my head that I was looking back through, or I, like in Middlesbrough shirts, and there was Dickens, and I thought there was was there a brew, a, a pub, or or a beer called Dickens? No, have, no. Have I got two and two totally made not, up not to, to five? My knowledge. No, not, not to my knowledge. Okay. Dickens was, I, I can't remember what Dickens was, but I don't think it was a brewing company. There's a company that does cider, and the, like obviously it's based in Teesside, so they call it Teesider, Teesider, like a play on words. Okay. But any of that, that's worthy of a bit, but it, it's hard to find. It's mainly like at um, farmers markets and stuff. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps I was barking up the wrong tree with the, the Dickens things. Yeah. Uh, not for my yeah, there's the other thing. There's, there's food. Middlesbrough Palmo. Go on, t- tell me this. I, I've seen a picture. I've never had one. What's the deal? Um, what? Oh, it's like a heart attack on a plate. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the, the nice. They are nice. They're the really nice. Um, so there's quite a few decent restaurants along Linfop Road that you can find a Palmo in. Um, it's basically chicken fillet type of thing. Right. <laughs> Big slab of chicken with some bechamel sauce on top of it and then breadcrumbs over that and then grated cheese on top of it. It's wherever you've got. And if, you, if you're going to come up to Middlesbrough, I think, like, I wouldn't be from Middlesbrough if I didn't tell you about it. I think anyone who's coming up should probably give it a go. But they do sell Palmo in a bun in the stadium as well. 
So that that could be worthy of a option. No, it's something that I've got. I've got to try and sample that and a uh, and a local beer as well. And so yeah, you said that the it's about a twenty minute walk from the from the town to the ground. For anyone driving as well, is there parking in and around the ground? There's parking at the stadium, but I'm I'm not sure what the crack with that's going to be because it, like on a borough game, it's usually for pass holders. Mm. So I'm I'm not sure what the crack with that with that will be. Um, but there's like leisure parks springing up over that way now. So there's a few shops and stuff there. So there will be parking over there. Probably my pick would be the Zetland multi-story car park. But again, I'm not sure what time it's open till. So if it, if it's shut to eight o'clock, then it's going to be a problem for the Wednesday game. Yeah. yeah. You should be all right getting over the ground now with the new buildings that are going up there. You should be okay, I think. Nice one. And when you're in the ground, where do you tend to sit? Where's a good view? Because I know, obviously, it's going to be a, a reduced capacity for the game. But where, where's a good place to sit? Probably the, the best view is like the West Stand Upper, um, like, you know, bang on the halfway line. It's That's probably more the Prawn-Sarney area, <laughs> if, if, if you can believe that. But um, my seat, where I sit in the South Stand, which I believe is where they're selling tickets at the minute. So that's behind the goal. Right. Uh, but it's like, it's just a typical modern stadium. There's not really a bad view, you know. It's, yeah. um, you're all right wherever you are, really. You're okay for views. Yeah, it was one of those grounds that, it was one of the first to be like for a, for a club of of Middlesbrough size to to move grounds from what I can remember. And I remember there was a there was a program on I'm sure back in the day that sort of followed. Was it Brian Robson and was it Steve Gibson, the chairman? I think and sort of they really yeah. sort of told the story of the of the new ground. Yeah, I think it was one of if not the first after the Taylor report. I think hmm. um, so, like. We've got that going for us when people just say, oh, it's just another identical stadium. I'm like, well, at least it was the first of its kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, sp- speaking of the chairman as well, uh, going back to the pubs, um, I think it's Baker Street or Bedford Street. There's a pub called The Chairman and it's dedicated to Steve Gibson. So that's a decent little okay. pub for you. Oh, nice one. And obviously there's the, the Gareth Southgate connection. How, how do you think he's going to be received up there? He's a borough legend. He's the first and only captain to ever win a cup for us, lift a cup, I should say. He um he captained us into Europe. Okay, it didn't didn't work out as well as everyone would have hoped as a manager, but I think he's proven his critics since. For me, he'll always be a borough legend. And I think that's the majority, well, pretty much everyone still you know, he's a he's a gentleman, but he was a great player as well. He he wouldn't get a bad reception up here. He's he's still loved. Love that, love that, Lee. Thank you very much for your time. I know you're on Twitter. If you want to, uh, if you want to give that away, yeah, yeah. Um, it's at smoggy underscore nineteen eighty six. Lovely, Lee. Thank you very much for your guide to Middlesbrough, and yeah, perhaps we can catch up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cheers for having us. Thanks to Lee Wingate from the other Bundesliga podcast, Philip Buduru from the Romanian football Twitter account, R-O-F-T-B-L, and Lee Bailey for giving us that guide to Middlesbrough. If you'd like to have your say on any of the games, why not open up your phone, then your voice messages, give us a 30-second snapshot of your thoughts, including who you are and who you follow, and email it to three lions podcast at gmail.com and hopefully we can then do something similar 
for when the Euro games come up. As always, thank you for listening. All previous episodes are available at threelionspodcast.com or your usual podcast provider like Spotify or iTunes. And now is a great time to leave a review. They're always appreciated. And don't forget, the show is on all the usual social media channels. If you want to get in touch, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search Three Lions Podcast. And if I remember... I'll be sharing some of the sights of Middlesbrough soon over on those channels. And if you are heading to Middlesbrough, travel safe, stay safe, enjoy it. And I'll be back soon, taking a look over it all. So until then, cheers. Cheers.